Hey good people, this is your Anti-Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, I think I'm going to start off today with the concept of social. Um, interestingly, I um, have gone to my books, my staples, uh, my favorite books, and I was actually looking for a uh, like a real stripped down basic definition for the word social. And actually none of the books that I have have a single simple definition for the word social. It's like social learning theory, social disorganization theory, um, social constructivism, right? So social is in there definitely. I'm a social scientist these books that I have are about the social world, but the books that I have don't give a pared down basic definition of this is what social means. So I went to the Google machine and I put in a definition, I put in social for the definition and I didn't like that either. Like how are you going to give a definition of a word by using the word in a definition? And I'm like, is social so basic that it's hard to define? So anyway, I'm going to try to give you something basic and I'm going to give you my so what. And I'm going to try to do all of that so I can still get my disclaimers done in the first five minutes. But social is the starting point. And so what I mean by, well, it's not, okay, let me let me give you the definition. What I mean by social is um, this cooperative thing that we call life. See, living isn't just about living as an individual. There's no part of us that it's living as individuals, that where we live as individuals. Now, I'm not going to say in an entire globe, because there might be people out there totally living as independents. I'm not here to talk about that. But most of us, <laughs> we understand, we're living in some type of social context, which means there's a cooperative state, cooperative state for our, our material well-being, for our emotional well-being. And there's even this social well-being where we have a need to interact with one another. So not just we, we're not just interacting with each other for survival, but we actually are wired to want to interact. Okay, that's my definition. <laughs> and um, I'll probably make it neater later, but that's all we got, that's all we have for now. And because we are social with this wiring to interact for survival and for companionship and for reproduction um, that is a basic need yet there's something with me there's something about me that's not fitting into the social construction that has been presented uh, there's a social construction that's presented as social so, okay, I'm saying two things. There's the social, and then there's the way that we do social. So there's a wiring, a natural wiring for social. And then there's the way that we have conceptualized social. And that's where I'm, 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 I'm struggling. That I'm wired for it, but I am not inclined, attracted to how we as a society, how we, we, have, we have constructed it. And it's causing a dilemma. So really, I can start off by saying my starting point is the social dilemma. I really felt like I did one on, on the social dilemma before, but I couldn't find it. Um, 
But that's what it's like, a social dilemma. So we'll see what we can do for this reflection, you guys. I'm sorry. I probably did not catch your attention, but that's what really what I'm starting with. Hey, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two theories that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years, half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, just to name a few. This project is unedited and unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Okay. <laughs> so I just made it. Um, so let me give you a little bit of the so what. Um, and I do have a little housekeeping, but I want to give you a little bit of the so what. Um, I've been talking about self-actualizing. I've been talking about ground zero. I've been talking about next level growth. And and all of that is still true. I'm excited to tell you all that is still true. I'm really in the pocket. I'm in a really... I'm in a really nice pocket of moving to my next level of being. And, uh, and, and honestly, there are two levels to this. There is the vision that I, I have for myself. And I, I struggle here because that vision isn't really sharp. It's a little blurry. Cause I don't, and that's, that leads to the second point. I don't know if my vision is about a particular state of life. Mm. Um, I don't know if my vision is about... It, okay. My vision isn't scenic. There it is. It's not about a... There's no particular scene that comes to mind. I mean, I have scenes. I I, I can imagine what it looks like. It could look like this on on a this during the day. It could look like this on the evening. It could look like this on the weekend. It could look like this in the spring. It could look like this. So I have I have some scenes, some images in my head in terms of my vision. But that's really not it for me. I think for me, my vision is not the scene, but the scenic route. We talk about the scenic, like the route I want to take. How I want to be the, in the driver's seat of my own life. How I want to be able to intuit myself in the world and, and add value in the world. I've been thinking a lot about social change agentry. So part of my, um, you know, part of being able to do this is being really, really figuring out how to have revenue. You guys know I've been talking about that, right? But that has been such a fundamental part, piece of the puzzle. It's been so fundamental and it's kind of ironic that it took me so long to get here. It's kind of, wow, maybe embarrassing. Like, why did it take me so long to get that the money part was such a core ingredient for me? I think because I'm not really big money, you know, like I know I've been talking about money, y'all, 
because I've had to have a love, I've had to develop a relationship with money because I've been so disjointed, kind of, kind of delusional about money. It's really weird. It's just a weird thing that it's just weird. So because I don't need, um, I, in my mind, I don't need a lot of money. I don't have a, a, um, I don't have a gross material appetite. I'm pretty, pretty moderate. Uh, I like to have some money. I mean, obviously we know that. I talk about comfort. I want to have money for comfort, money for beauty, but not really money for status. Um, but as I'm coming to understand money for power, which is really weird for me because I think people who have money for power are can be abusive with it. So I, it's taken me a while to identify that I want money for power because the people I see that have money for power, I don't respect it. But one of the, some content that I took in, in in spring, I talked about it. I don't know what episode it was. I think it may have been the one around leadership and spirituality, money and spirituality. It was an intersection of spirit. I think spirituality was part of it anyway. Well, I had some content that really talked about doing right, doing, having a moral, a different moral relationship with money and power, right? So it's money, power, and then there's my morality, my ethics. And just because I have, there's just because money and power can go together doesn't mean I have to do bad with that. Um, doesn't that mean I have to do evil with money and power? That you can do good with money and power. Which is really interesting because as an educator, most of my work it either happens in a school or in a classroom. I've never, uh, I've never professed to give up power as much as I talk about shared power. Because that's what I write about, shared power. But in sharing power, it's never been about giving up power. So when you, when you, when you put money in the mix, I'm in a rabbit hole. Yeah, I got to get out of here. When you put money in the mix and you see how our society handles money, money is power. It is what it is. So, it doesn't behoove me to divorce myself from money as a power entity, especially since I'm a person that doesn't want someone having power over me. Okay, this is where it is. This is where it's at, and I'm going to try to move on. Because one of the books that I have in front of me is my Enneagram book. It's so fascinating how I can have these books and I can go to them on repeat. It's fascinating. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of sacred texts do, like the Bible. People read the Bible over and over and over again. And every time you go to it, it should be living and breathing and, and giving you new insights. And that's how my staple books are. These are my sacred texts, if you will. I have to be careful because people who are religious could be offended. Like, those sociology books are not your Bible. <laughs> so, okay, I understand that, but... It's not sacred, but in a way it is because they live with me. They breathe with me. They grow with me. And so anyway, so the Enneagram book, um, I don't know where I was going to go with that, but 
talk, I was just reading about the eat. And that self-preservation aid is really more into the material and the comfort. And man, you know, you know, it's interesting because when I, oh God, I'm in several rabbit holes. Okay, let me try to get focused because there's a dilemma that I do need to process with you all. So when, and I've said this before, but for whatever reason, I, I feel the need to say it again, say it now. When I read about the eight, the general description of an eight, it speaks to me, but not overwhelmingly. Like it speaks to me, but it's when I get inside of that description when they start they talk about some of the core attributes of an eight that speaks to me. And then when I go into those subtypes, social, self-preservation, sexual, I'm all up in it. I'm all up in all three of those subtypes. I'm just in them some more than others. So that social and that self-preservation subtype for me, they're pretty equal. They're all, they're almost equal for me with me leaning a little bit more to the social than the self-preservation. But there's a strong self-preservation in me. I think I told you that my heart coach argued at one point that she thought I was self-preservation first. And that's where that introversion comes in. Because I'm an introvert. So it, it, I think I think when they, they write these descriptions, though, I think they do it through a particular lens. I don't think that they write, they write that, that social aid. Excuse me, that aid through an introverted lens. I think that's where they get the eight wrong. Because they pretty much just write the eight with an extrovert in mind. And so when you drop into that introversion, then that's where you get the self-preservation. And that's not completely true. Just like the like fives are typically understood as more introverted. But you have social fives. Anyway. So anyway, um, the material and the, uh, the, the comfort... Uh, excuse me, um, comfort is more important for me. Uh, and so when I do materialism, if you will, my materialism is about comfort. It is not about status. But I do understand that unfortunately, status does bring power. So while I don't, I'm not a status person, I am a power person. And... Unfortunately, status brings power in our social world. I'm, I'm really in the pocket, y'all. I'm in the pocket of what I want to talk about. I'm setting the foundation here. But I don't do when... So the interesting thing about me um, as an eight, and this is where I don't... like. I feel like the general description of an eight doesn't speak to me. Most just descriptions of eights are about power over people. You want to... I want to have power over you. I don't have that need per se. Now, there is some except. There are some exceptions, and this is the dilemma. <laughs> this is not going the way I thought I w- it would go when I hit the record button. But rarely does it ever. So anyway, I need to because I'm having a strong inclination to stop to start over. But we're gonna just stay the course here. I don't re- I don't have a desire to be power over another human. I re- generally I just don't. 
I don't care enough because that requires energy. And that's where I sound like a type five because type fives, they are very guarded with their energy. And I'm not like, I'm not, I don't believe I'm as guarded with my energy as a five. Clearly I'm not. It wouldn't, but I I kind of attribute this to being part of like a tri-type. Although the lady I follow in the Enneagram, Beatrice Chestnut, she doesn't really talk about tri-types. I don't know what her views are on it. I think I've listened to her talk about, I think I've heard her mention tri-types. And her philosophy is if you get into the subtypes, you won't need to talk about the tri-types. I think that's what she said, but I don't want to misrepresent her. But anyway, I actually do think the tri-type, the tri-type theory gives me something that the subtypes aren't giving me. Because there is a five part of me that is about energy. And it's about the totem, right? But I do think that the totem part of me can also be explained through the eight. Anyway, God, I'm, I'm really struggling. Well, anyway, I don't have a desire to possess, uh, excuse me, to, to dominate people, to have power over. I really just don't. I don't care enough, to be honest with you. So that, I think that's the INTJ me. I don't care enough about people. To have a desire to be power over them. Okay. There are two exceptions with that. I am an ideas person. I'm an ideas person. I'm an INTJ. I'm conceptual. I'm imaginative. And I'm, I'm long range planning. Because it's not, en- it's not enough for me to think big. It's not enough for me to think big. It is not enough for me to think into the future. That is not enough for me. I have to implement what I see. I was reading something about INTJs would just never want to be in a purely theoretical position. It wouldn't be enough to just theorize. That's more your INTP. I need to implement. We need to put it in action. There's got to be some pragmatism to that, those ideas. Nor would we want to just be all practical at, and, and implementing at the ground level. Like we are a beautiful mix of theory and action. We are that. If you, you know, I have, there's a book I have called Theory and Action. Uh, it's one of my, it's another favorite of mine. I don't talk about it often. I usually use that to work for my work, but, um, We are the perfect embodiment of theory and action. Uh, Paulo Freire in The Pedagogy of the Oppressed, that's another book I like. He talks about um, to be human, we to be justice-oriented, we need to have both theory and practice. And a lot of times we get stuck in one side or the other, but those of us who are doing justice work, change work, disruptive work, we need to do both change and action. Anyway. And I think your INTJs, those are your people. We are your people. We embody theory and action. So I don't have a desire to, um, I'm, what I want, my power over is all about what is going to, I have, I need enough power to do my theory and action. That's where my power comes in at. That's one part of the power I have. And then you, and, you're not going to have power over me. 
So you're not going to have power in my house. You're not going to have power over my body. You're not going to have power over my mind. You understand what I'm My space. But outside of my space, my mind, my body, my space, do you, boo? I don't care. I don't have a desire to power over you. I just don't. I have a desire to power over my space, my person, and my masterminding. Now, if you if you cross the the line of fire, if you cross through my line of vision for my masterminding, you especially if you get stuck, like if you just walk past and you get out of you got you get out of dodge, you get out of the line, then we're good. But if you stay if you stay in the line of rain in my range, then you are now part of the terrain for me to power over. So I can more than likely so I can move you on, get you get you going, get you to where you were supposed to go, because you can't stay here. <laughs> and if you come into my space, you're gonna experience me. And it's just fascinating and, and um sad. Sad and fascinating. Sass, sad and fascinating. I was gonna try to push those two words together, but at the risk of sounding like a dork, I'm just not going to. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think for so long, believe it or not, in my midlife, I was, you guys know this, I was homeless. Now, there was a portion of me being without a home when I wasn't financially desolate. Like, I wasn't in hardship. It was just that I didn't, I was like a nomad, like a, a gypsy, if you will. I just didn't want to stay put in one spot. So I had several homes. They weren't mine, though, obviously. I didn't have the burden of taking care of them, paying the bills, you know what I mean, keeping them up, which is probably, I probably made people mad. I'm, I'm pretty sure I made people mad because I wasn't living like normal people. Normal people get a house and you get set up and then that's your home base that wasn't me I had several homes they weren't mine though but I had several places that I would bounce around to because I needed I wanted that freedom well you know my world fell apart I lost that and then I had to like get back on my feet and right now I'm, I'm with one home and it's sad it's boring it's not me and I'm but in route and as I'm talking about next level living that is on my radar right now now one of the things I've talked about is I want to have a duplex is because it's in a, in a duplex I can have a renter the renter would then be responsible for that property for the most part and I can move in and out so if I had a duplex in two different locations I can move in between those places that's theoretically kind of how I I'm in what I'm envisioning but that's far. I mean, it's that's just not. Maybe, hopefully, in a year or two, I can start putting that into action. Maybe, maybe that's not as far off as I, I thought. But anyway. Oh my God. Maybe that's not as far off as I. Maybe that's not far as far off as I. Thought it was because of this this thing that has just happened to me in the last three months about me moving into moving into um, my next level right next level growth right in terms of 
getting back into being self-sufficient, self-sustaining anyway. Anyway, I'm sorry, you guys. All right. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to push the pause button and, and, and regroup because I, I'm, I'm, there are some things unlocking in my mind and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm following it in this conversation. I'm following the, the, there are doors opening up in my mind that I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into, I'm walking into them because they're relevant for me. It just wasn't what I thought I was going to talk about. However, it's connected to what I wanted to talk about. So I need to pause to figure out what's more important. These doors opening up in my mind or the debt where I'm trying to go. So I'm going to hit pause. You won't, you won't know the pause, but I want to let you know I'm, I'm pausing for a second. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. I didn't have to stay paused. I don't even, it maybe was a minute. Maybe it was a minute. And I think what, what, what I think is happening to me in this reflection is that I wanted to come and talk about my social dilemma. That I'm at a place now where the world is starting to look like what I imagine for myself. And I'm not, I'm not completely there. Not, no, 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 no. I have a ways to go. But it's starting to look like it. I'm no longer in the tunnel. I've been, I've used this tunnel metaphor for a while. I've been using it lately. I was in a hole for so long. I was in a hole when I was, when I had hardship. It was so dark. It was so scary. And then there was a moment where I started seeing light. Like off into the distance, I could see light. My world was dark. But there was light up in the distance. And so then I started crawling. That's where the tunnel came from. I started crawling towards that light. This is, this is a metaphor I've been using since 2018. Really. I started crawling towards that light. And then there was a moment where there was a hole where the light was. And I climbed out. And I think I've been living. Um, I was like... Um, I remember telling my heart coach, yeah, I'm not in the tunnel anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm in the light, but this isn't really where I want to be. This isn't, this isn't where I want to land. And she said, well, you don't have to land there. It was so basic, but it was profound. Like, well, you don't have to be here. And so then I went back and I was like, I'm, I got to put my butt back in the tunnel again. And that's kind of what's happening. And I, so I feel like I don't know when, like I put myself in the tunnel and I think, I think I'm at my, a new hole, a new, a new place where the light is, right? And I'm getting ready to climb out of this tunnel. I'm setting up here. I think this is it. I think, y'all. I think, I think I'm, I'm out in, I'm in the, so you think about this underground tunnel and then you have these pockets where you can come out of the tunnel. The first time I came out of the tunnel, that wasn't my landing spot. I think I'm, I'm getting close to our landing spot. I think, I think. At least it feels that way for now. We'll see. So anyway, because of that, because of that, I now can attend to some other things that I could not attend to while I was crawling in the tunnel. I couldn't attend to it. And one is my social life. 
Now, you guys have been hearing me talk about building my people, building my squad, building my force. I call you guys my digital force, um, my my social life, my social, you know, my social life. But you're my you're my digital community, although I don't have interaction with you. I know you're there. You know what I mean? I see the downloads. I see that. Somebody's listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? It may not be a lot of people, but somebody's listening. Somebody's hitting the play button. Somebody's listening. Somebody, and not only listening, but coming back. That means there's some, what I want to talk about, there's somebody's interested in that. So I know that there are people out there interested in what I want to talk about. May not be a lot of people, but I'm an introvert. I don't need a lot of people. But this project has allowed me to, to see what, who my authentic self is. Like it has allowed me to be authentic because I am not responding. I'm not in a group trying to have conversations based on what that group wants to hear. I'm having conversations based on what I want to hear. Now, right? And there are people who are coming to listen. You guys have encouraged me because if you if you exist in the digital space, that means there are people in the physical world. That and I'm building that. It's slow, y'all. I had I had breakfast with somebody yesterday. The conversation was delightful. It is what I wanted. It. It's a. It, this is a person. This is the. These are the kind of conversations I want to have. She's an INTJ, by the way. She's no, she's a little bit older than I am, just a little bit. Uh, she's sixty. I'm fifty-two. So we're eight years apart, but it's. I love it. Oh my God, I love talk. I love it. So they're out there. <laughs> the people are out there. I have to build that. So that's kind of part of this thing this thing I'm building it has to include social all right but it's not easy and I think when I hit the record button what was on my mind was the social dilemma and now as I'm in this reflection it doesn't feel as much of a dilemma as it did before I hit the record button. Because with before I hit the record button, I was dealing with the fact that I don't have a desire to interact in the social world the way it, it is defined. I don't have a desire to be in the social world the way it is presented. Yet I am a social being, well, it was, as we all are, and I don't. I have a little more social on me than your average introvert. Not a lot. I was invited to something yesterday, and I just could not. I could not get the energy together to go do it, and so I met someone recently. And anyway, that's. This is the point. I'm. I, I'm meeting people, whether it's platonic or romantic and it's boring most of the time I'm bored most of the time when I'm meeting these people because there's a desire that I have for the social there's a there's, there's something very specific that I want in the social and if I don't get that then I'm, I'm going through the motions I'm going through the motions because I know that I have to have people around me for survival, if nothing else. 
I came, I came to realize, I came, I, I came to realize that within the last five years. Yeah, you can be an introvert if you want, but you gotta have people for survival. And I think we don't think that way because most of our pe- people for survival, that's what we call family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's our family. They might drive us crazy, but if we know that we get in a bind and we are somehow stranded or whatever, you can call family, and that's what family will do. And I agree with that. But as a person that has been trying to set healthy boundaries with my family, and and I'm not, and trying to have a, a healthy sense of self, that has caused some gaps in with my family. Now, do I think that my family would leave me completely? No, I don't think that is. No, I don't. I don't have a completely ruptured relationship with my family because I wouldn't do that to them. I don't think that they would do it to me. I don't. But it's not going to be easy. <laughs> it would not be easy. It would be. I would be in a bad situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? For them to have to help me. So they they just take. They cannot be my first line of defense. You know. And so I'm like, you know, people might bore you. They might annoy you, but you need people for survival. So I've been trying to go through this, just go through the numbers, going through the, going through like a numbers game. And, and I, and, and, and so I have a philosophy of the social for me. And it's not something, it's not one that I created. My aunt actually gave this to me about 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, almost 25 years ago. And uh, it makes so much sense. I think I've mentioned it to you a couple of times, but at that time, people would irritate me. I don't know why she said it. Because I, I, when I think back, I've always had a lot of people around. I mean, excuse me, I've always, I've always had a lot of acquaintances. Because I've being active I just which is why people don't think I'm really an introvert right okay we can contest that later <laughs> but you just have to trust me for now I've always been a part like I played volleyball so I have my volleyball friends I have my my work you know I had a lot of people from my work just because being an educator that you, you got your colleagues you have your superiors you have the students and you have the families then I was part of dance. Then I was a part of aerobics. Then I used to hit the nightclub. <laughs> you know, so I met people out in the, in the in the in the nightlife, and and then I was a student. Most of my adult life, I was a student because I've been this. You know, got all. You know, I shouldn't say I got all these degrees. I should go back and get another degree. But anyway, I got three. I've been in school, so I've got three degrees. And then I went to four schools in four four post secondary institutions. Because the first year I went to college, I was it was a it was for a two year program to get an associate's degree. That was what I was going to do, and then I was like, "Oh, I fell in love with learning." I'm like, "Oh, this is not like high school," and um, I I left that two year program after year one, and I went into a four year program to get a bachelor's, and then I was then I went to get a master's, and I went to get a PhD, and all of that. So, so I've been in school, right? And then you meet people. And, and, and so I just, I just know a lot of people (laughs) and, 
And I've enjoyed interacting with those people on a surface level. But I, in terms of intimacy, you just weren't, that many people weren't going to be in my intimate world. And then if I brought them in and they did something, I'd kick them out. Nope. So anyway, my aunt told me, I don't know why exactly she said this, but she said, and it's that everybody doesn't have to belong to my inner world to, in order for me to call them a friend. They don't have to be in that inner, inner circle for me to consider them as a friend. And then she used Jesus. <laughs> and at the time, I mean, Jesus is still important to me now. But at the time, the whole Jesus life, the whole Christian life, I was like, that was during a time when I was like very, very holy, very, very religious. And so you tell me Jesus said it. I'm like, oh, I'm on it. Jesus, check. Okay. I'm going to be like Jesus. So anyway, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not because I still, I still actually reverence Jesus as a model, metaphysically. But that's a whole separate conversation. Anyway, um, and I'm not saying Jesus wasn't human. I mean, wasn't didn't exist. I'm not saying. I feel like I'm in trouble. Gonna get into trouble. Let me let me pull out of that conversation because then that's gonna take me. Just an entirely different conversation. So just trust me. <laughs> I still have a reference for Jesus. But anyway, sometimes I just go off into these really weird spaces. Okay, so she said Jesus had three circles of friends or communities. 72. I think it was 72, 48, 12, and 3. I don't know where that 72 is coming from. I believe she, that's more than three. That's four. I don't know. I don't know, but I always say three. I think it's 72, 48, 12, and three. Anyway, I definitely know 12 and three. So, you know, you know, we hear about the 12 disciples. Those are the 12 people that followed Jesus and continued on in his ministry after he was gone. Right. But then there were three out of the 12 disciples. There were three core but beyond those twelve people, there were he had these follow this following. So I thought, the forty-eight or seventy-two. Now I need to go look that up. But anyway, so anyway, so she was like, everybody doesn't have to be in that inner, and I like that, and it just changed my standards for them. Now you also heard me use this theater metaphor, and I talked about everybody can't be in your front row because in order to be in the front row of your life. They need to pay front row ticket prices, and you're not just going to sit in my front row and not pay t- and pay back row ticket prices. You're not going to do that, right? So you've heard me use that metaphor. And so once people, once I realized, yo, see, once I felt like I can only have my inner circle, then I started. I wrestled with people a lot. I fought with people a lot. Like this is what you need to do to be close to me. It was a lot of fighting. Once I realized. Man, that's just the front row of the theater. There's, you can sit in the back. You can sit in the balcony. There's an overflow room. Once I really understood that, oh, it was on and popping. Then I just, then I'm like, oh, oh, we're friends. You're just not a front of the theater friend. You don't want to pay front row ticket prices. You don't want to do the things that I need for that type of intimacy. That's okay. 
I'm not going to fight with you anymore. I'm now going to position you accordingly. I've told you guys about this. and I got this full animation. There's a full animation that I go through in my head. It's a full cartoon where an usher walks down the aisle, taps the person on the shoulder and says, Excuse me, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, sir. Your ticket, you your seats are further in the back. I got I to gotta usher you to the back. And in my animated, this thing, it, I see the person and I reposition them in my theater. No more fighting. We are no more, we're no longer fighting about what I need from you in this intimate space. You only want to do X, Y, and Z. I've asked you for A, B, C, D. You don't want to do A, B, and C. You just want to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, I can get with it. I wanted A, B, and C from you, but that's okay. You only want to give X, Y, and Z? Let me tell you where X, Y, and Z exists in my in my theater. You're, you're in my life. You just want to sit a little further back. And most people do not want to be repositioned. That's what I had to learn. they rather you sit there and fight with them and fight with them and fight with them. But what did I tell you earlier in the conversation? I don't have the energy to wrestle with people like that. I could care. I don't care. And once I had a model for, I love you. See, that was the thing. I do love you. And I believe you love me. But in terms of this agreement, for this intimacy agreement, we are not on the same page of what we want in terms of intimacy. And I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. Emotional, intellectual, spiritual. We're just not on the same page. But we love each other. So we're, we're going to be in each other's lives. All right. So that's how I've been functioning. Um, but right. So that's how that's the that's me. That's the philosophy that I've had. And there were people that I repositioned that fell off. They fell off. And I get it. It's sad. And they just fell off because they felt like there's more to me. And they didn't like not having access to more to me. And it is what it is. It is what it is. I have a I I had two people that 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 I had remaining from my friendship transition, you know. And I I think I told you about I talked about her a little one a couple of weeks ago, and. Um, I know how I got into this stuff, this rabbit hole. This is exactly how I got here. Talking about this young lady. And I thought that, you know, I actually thought we were, I thought she was going to make it out of that, that season of transition and, you know, where I had to let go of a lot of my friends or we just, we had to let each other go. And just because I wasn't, gonna function the way that I had to function in those relationships there was a way I was functioning when I secured those relationships and I outgrew that and the relationship could not grow with me and I was not willing to grow where those other people were growing so they were all I've talked about this before there were there are two people that I uh, was hoping to make it through and one what happened was when I being homeless or being moving about, not having my own space. One thing is if I come into your house, I'm going to respect this is your house. You know what I mean? I'm going to respect this is your house. These are your expectations. You are the ruler in your house. 
so people didn't get a chance to see me in terms of me, my relationship with power and space. They didn't see that side of me because I didn't have my own space for a long period of time. For a long, long period of time. So they never got a chance to see my relationship to space and power until in the last, what, five, almost five years now. It's really weird. It's definitely four. About, um, yeah, I would say four years. Hold on, I need to do the math now. Hold on. It's not four years. It's almost four, though. It'll be four years. Uh, officially, like, technically April, but I didn't, I got a place in, in 20, April 2020, but I didn't fully move into that place until, I would say June, June of 2020, so we're at three and a half years, I'm sorry, that precision, it just gets me all the time, <laughs> just like, anyway, uh, <laughs> so, um, so now that I'm back in, I'm back in my space, some of these people are getting to know the me as it relates to power and space. And those, they just, just, it just didn't work. I mean, she, she, anyway, it just didn't work. I would love to get some examples, but once I start giving examples, that's where I fall apart. So anyway, That's my relationship to power and space. And anybody that is in my intimate world will need to understand my relationship to power and space. So this is, this is, this is what I, and I've told this story before, so I'm not going to tell the story. I'm just going to briefly mention it. I'm going to hold myself to it. I am incredibly disruptive when it comes to social norms that ostracize people, alienate people. I don't do those norms. And I don't do, and I'm not, if you do those norms in your house and you might say something, you might say something ableist, sexist, um, homophobic, I'm going to say something. If you say something, I'm going to say something. But I'm in your house. So if I say something and you hold your ground on that statement, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up and leave. It's not a, that's not a problem. But I'm going to leave. Now, you're in my house and you say something. And then I say something. I correct you. You say something ableist, sexist, homophobic, whatever. Classes. I'm going to correct you. But this time when I, when I correct you. And you keep going. I'm not going to leave my own house. Right? That's insane. Excuse me. That's, that's ableist. Sorry. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to leave my own house. So if you keep going, then we have a problem. 
Because we're not doing that up in my house. We're not having those conversations in my house. You can go to your house and have that conversation. And guess what I do when you have those conversations? I leave. But I'm not leaving my own house. So either you leave or you check yourself. And that's what I'll do. Right? So that's that's an example of what I mean. Well, these people didn't, didn't know me that way because they only knew me as a person. that was like, okay, I'm just going to get up and leave. Why? Like I told somebody when they challenged me, they were like, this isn't the person I know. I'm like, I don't know why you're having a hard time with this because you've witnessed me doing this in the world with other people. But, and this is part of my problem. My relation, I'm struggling with intimacy. I'm struggling with intimacy in a social world that is harmful. I don't want to do intimacy with people who purport harm, who are okay with harm. I don't have a desire for that. Now, we're all like, we all, none of us are perfect. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But we are en route to trying to be better. So if somebody brings up something that I did that was hurtful, my thing should be like, oh, if I care about you, oh, I should be interested. Okay, let's talk that out. Let's work it out. Let's see if we can find a place in the middle. I may not come, completely come over into your part of the world, your ideology, but hey, I love you. I like you. I'm spending time with you. Why not? Let's just see how we can work that thing out. Apparently not many people have that uh, that commitment or that skill level to be able to say, let's talk it out. So... In my intimate spaces, people, I I think a couple of things were happening that, you know, I think, okay. Okay, here it is. And then I'm, I, I think I'm actually getting ready to start closing, believe it or not. None of the, I, I literally am in, I don't even tell you, I'm in my car because I came, it's early, in, it's a Monday morning, by the way. I didn't even do any housekeeping. It's a Monday morning. I couldn't record yesterday on a Sunday. Um, I woke up, went to breakfast. By the time I came back, the house was noisy because the young lady who lives above me um, um, is just, I think she's trying to show that she, here's what I think she's trying to do. Because of space and power, I may have come off a little controlling. <laughs> I have to talk about that later. I might be a little, it might be perceived that I might be controlling. I'm not trying to control this young lady. I'm, but I am trying to control my comfort and my space. And because I think, I think she's an entitled young woman. She doesn't have to move about in the world being mindful of other people's stuff. So in her entitled self, She's moving about, doing whatever she wants, and it's interrupting my space and my comfort. And then that's when I correct her. So she, I, she, I know she's feeling a little bit controlled because she's probably lived in a world where no one has put boundaries on her. I hate to say it. She's a young woman. She's in her 20s, late 20s. I seriously think that's what it is. She does whatever she wants to do. And then I have to come and correct her if she doesn't like it. 
So I think what she's doing right now is she's flexing. She's trying to show, you can't control me. No, I can't. I can't control you. But what I can do is control the spaces that are mine. And that one. But anyway, so part of her, in her defiance, she's making a lot of noise upstairs. She's like, there's a table she's taking and she's dragging it back and forth. Uh, you move the table once or twice. But when you're doing that for three hours, you're, to me, you, you, either you're trying to make a point or something is wrong with you. Anyway, so she was doing that. She stumps, um, drops things on the floor. That's what she does. So that's what she does. And believe it or not, compared to the other people that lived above me, believe it or not, now that I know that that's her theory of mine, like that's her, that's her own disposition, that's her own psychology, her own politics. Okay. Cause you ain't, fu- all you're doing is causing a, uh, an inconvenience for me, that, but I can't control that. That I cannot control. But some of the other things that she was doing that I can control, I will. You know, so that's kind of what. And honestly, I actually think she's she's push she's been pushing the uh, envelope. She reminds me of a of a student that will get in trouble because they need to be corrected. They want the conflict. They want the confrontation. That's what she reminds me of. I'm I'm not going to give her that. Not for the sake of just conflict. I could care less. Right. But we already know my time in a duplex is coming to an end. Well, excuse me. My time being powerless in a duplex is coming to an end because I'm going to have a duplex and I'm going to be able to say these are the ways that we live in in a civil. This is how you share a house with somebody. (laughs) I'm going to do that. (laughs) Clearly, other people don't have the memo. But (laughs) anyway, so I couldn't do the recording yesterday because she was just on fire. She was on she was on full blast yesterday. And uh and uh, I, I'm very impressed that I didn't, I didn't get upset. Like that's, yeah, I, I'm, I didn't get upset because like now I understand. I understand that that's her psychology. I think before I was just like trying to, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me why she was doing that. Well, it's her psychology. Fine. We'll come back and talk about her. I'm pretty sure there are going to be a lot of yummies to talk about in the future with her. But anyway, um, so I didn't do a recording yesterday. So I'm in my, I got up this morning. Uh, my morning is for the gym. I knew, I said, I'm going to do this recording. But if I don't go to the gym and I do this recording while I'm at the house, when I'm done with this recording, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> so I drove myself to the gym. I'm in the car. I'm in the parking lot. And... um that's right here. And I brought my books with me. So I have one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five books that, and that if I were to have been recording in my house, these are the books that would have gone in. I haven't touched one of those books, but they're here in the car with me. They're open. So that was what I had planned to do. But, um, and I wanted to talk about why I, feel that I am in a more uh, a social dilemma because being social you, you got to have people around but I'm genuinely not interested in the people that I'm interacting with so 
at best. So what I'm part of what I'm doing, and this is kind of what came up in the middle of the, in the middle of my reflection. I realized like I'm building that I'm building, I'm building my social, just like Sorry about that. I had to lock the door. Just like I'm building, um, building my business life, my home life, I'm building my social. I'm building it. And it's slow, though. You know, it's very slow. And I think when I got up this morning, I wanted to talk to you about what I've been processing over the past week or two. So now that I'm in this space, where I think this is one of the where I fell into a rabbit hole early in the conversation with you all I couldn't so be, my social life was the initially people I had brought into my life based on my pre-healing work right so all that intimacy work that I was doing in the past yet fighting with those so I had this intimate these intimate relationships but I was fighting in those intimate relationships because what I had done was I had brought those people to me that mirrored my family and that I was attracted to them because there was something about them that felt familiar to me that felt familial to me however there were things I didn't want to do in those friendships that I had to do in my family. So it was like this push-pull. You're familiar to me. You feel like family. But guess what? You feel like family. We got a problem. We got to fix some of these things. And it was just, it was a constant pull, a contest, uh, a battle, right? All right. So I started making my transition with my friends. I talked about that already. And the last couple of people I thought I was going to hold on to... Because I'm like, oh, you're still here after the, the, the great migration? Well, what happened was they still hadn't seen me in my own space. I think this is why when my sister comes to town, she, do, she doesn't want to stay with me. Because I've been like, why, why, is it, why is it she want to stay with me? Because you're in my house. But you've been a power holder for all these years because I've been coming to your house. You don't want to be in my house. That's fine. It is what it is. Like that bot that hurt my feelings a year when I saw that my sister was coming to town and she didn't want to stay with me. I stay with her. Okay. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. So um, but I think part of that is the space. These people are getting to know me as it relates to me and my space. So it is what it is. So in the in the new social that I'm building, and I'm building, I don't, I haven't built a relationship with anyone that I would bring them into my space yet. So in this building, these this new social world, these new social connections I haven't gotten to that inner circle yet I haven't gotten to the intimate circle and I think what I would say because I've been thinking about this actually I've been thinking about this for a couple of months now I think 
that what I'm building is that second layer. I think I'm building my 12. I think that. And that outer layer, the 48, 72, whatever, those are all the old, uh, That's those are all of the people from my past that are still, they still love me. We didn't fall out. We didn't have a falling out. And I have, I have many of those. I don't mess with them because if they, if we hung out, they'd be like, oh, she's different. Or so every once in a while, somebody from my past will pop up and like, let's start hanging out. And then when we hang out, mm, we don't have much in common. <laughs> That's not working. It's good. Let's just stay in Facebook. Let's just stay Facebook friends now. <laughs> you know, when we run into each other at the grocery store, hey, how are you? We need to get together. Mm, let's not. Mm-mm. <laughs> so anyway, so those are the, you know, and if I had to call on one of them, I, I love, I love having those people as part of my past. And I love that they can exist in Facebook. Like I've, I've kind of fallen out of love with Facebook, but that's the one thing about Facebook I love that they, there is a container for those 4872. I mean, I'm at a thousand. I have almost a thousand. I don't have a lot. I know these young people have mega followers, but I'm about a thousand people on my Facebook page. It's like 890, 890, but I know all the people though. You know what I mean? And it could be more if, but, um, I stopped bringing new people into my Facebook. So my Facebook page really represents my past. And maybe that's what I should do as I try to build this new What would what would it look like if I brought mate had created a new Facebook community? That's so weird. I don't even know. I don't know. But anyway, um but that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. I think the last piece uh that I think I need to process is it is around the eight. It is around the social self preservation sexual. When I look at this, and I've said this many times, I'm so sorry. We're at a place now where these these themes are on repeat, but they are now colored by they they they're just having these themes are now shaded, if you will, or they have they have a color to them because of maybe some literature that I've read or some an experience that I've had that now I need to go back and and reexamine some of these themes, just so you know. And one theme, obviously, is me being an eight in the Enneagram. And so I do firmly believe I'm social, self-preservation, and then sexual last. What makes me certain that I'm an eight is that all three of those subtypes I can relate to, even the sexual eight. Absolutely. You don't even hear me read about this. Sexually. I'm going to do some reading on that just so you guys don't know. But when I look at the five, I only relate to the social five. And I can't remember which one of the, the one. I think the one I relate to. I think I relate to the social one. I'm not 100% sure. But with the eight, I relate to all eight, all three of those subtypes. So let me try to close here by doing some reading on the text. Hold on a second. Wait a minute before I read. I, as I push the pause button to get one of the books, I just was struck with how incredibly different this episode went than I thought 
I'm, I don't think I've been this far off in a long time where, where I hit the record button and I go, like I have with full intention and I went, I went every other place other than a place I thought I was going to go. And I think part of it could be that I need to reconcile that I am not as social as I'm trying to be. And I don't yet know what that means, you guys, because I don't even think I'm, I don't even think I'm trying to be. I'm not as social as I, maybe I should say I'm not as social as I should be. Because I have, I have a lot of intolerance for the social. A lot of intolerance for it. And most of that intolerance is around power. Because I don't like power over and power under. In my other work, this is my other work. This is my primary life where I write and research about power. And power with. Our social world is constructed around power over and power under. We don't have a world that's constructed around power with. So, oh, some thoughts are starting to come together for me. Oh, my God. Here it is. So, a few weeks ago, I tried to take a shot at defining my spirituality. I've been trying to talk about this with my heart coach. Because there's something fundam- so fundamentally different about me that she's having a hard time connecting with. And it's really throwing her off. And that's fine. So, so we can dip our toe in the abnormal psychology container. But she doesn't want to do that. Now, I won't have an issue if she, after seven years, it took you seven years for you to come up with a pathology for me. I'm just, that won't happen. I won't take that line down. But if that's where we have to go, then let's go there. Because at the end of the day, I'm all, all about being well and prosperous. But I don't think that. I don't think it's about abnormal psychology. Well, I guess you could say that because abnormal psychology is anything that's not in the bell curve, right? That's the problem with abnormal psychology. It 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 problematizes something that's not normal or average. But it just because it's not average really shouldn't make it abnormal as in negative, as in a pathology. But that's what happens. You take the bell curve of people, you take the, you take people, you put them on this bell curve and the people who live in the tails on the, if you, if you understand a bell curve, the, there's a heightened in the middle where most people fall under the curve. And then at the end, those are called the tails where you don't have people, you have like a sprinkle, sprinkle of people on either side. How are those people not in the curve? What is wrong with those people? And we often problematize the people and the tail because they're not in the curve so there's a there's a fundamental part of me that's not in the bell curve and I and I am starting to come to terms with that's because of my spirituality my spiritual belief about 
being with, power with. Now, isn't this ironic that you have a person that is in the power cluster? Excuse me, I'm a power type. As an eight, I'm a power type. Yet, I don't want to be power over people. I do want to have power over my space, power over my body, over my mind, right? But that doesn't mean I want to have power over you. I want you to have power over you. You do power over you, and I'm going to do power over me. And then when we get together, then we're going to negotiate, right? We're going to meet in the middle, and we're going to do some kind of power withing. If you guys decide to start writing about that, uh, you know, I'm just going to let you know. I'm sharing some of my other work, my other world with you. I've already written about this. All right. So I would encourage you to reference your NIDOM because when those worlds come together, because <laughs> they're coming together soon, the two, the worlds are going to, um, and what I actually think is going to happen is that your NIDOM space is going to become the more authentic me instead of me bringing your NIDOM into that other world my primary identity I'm going to bring my primary identity over to your NIDOM because this is the more authentic me so thank you for being a space for me to learn that and explore it but anyway so I I have a deep deep orientation for power within deep And I, the best way I can describe it is saying that it was, it was, it's an orientation that I was born with. It came to me from the divine. That's the best explanation I have. I was born with it. I believe it. I, I don't know where else it's come from because I don't meet many people who, who think like this. So I say it comes from the divine. And the social world isn't about power within and it's, and what what I had to learn I talked about this before what I had to learn in um, I would say around 2017 That most people, even when they're in a power under space, they don't like it. They don't like somebody being over them, but they accept it as it's either you're under or you're over. There's not a lot of readiness in the world for power within. And I had to learn that lesson. I learned it when I was teaching grad school. And I was, I was amazed at the adults who were fighting to be power over me as their instructor. The ironic part was that I was making it, I was setting the table for them to do that. That was the learning curve for me. I'm like, I set the table for them to try to come and be power over me. I wasn't trying to have them, those, my, my students be power over me. Not at all. What I was trying to do is set the table for us to power with. 
So what I was trying to do is to take my power as the professor and to to shrink it a little bit so that we can be on we can be with each other. But instead of them seeing me taking that power to sh- shrink it a little bit Sorry you guys, I'm in the car. I have to be mindful of my surrounding because it's dark. So until they saw me taking my power as a professor and they saw me shrinking it, but it wasn't for they and they didn't they didn't say, Oh, she's shrinking that. Now we're gonna be power with because I've always wanted to be power with. That's not what happened at all. They saw me taking that power, dropping it, and then because they were power under as learners, they were so used to being powered over because that's how we treat most learners we power over learners so they saw that a gap and they were like oh and then they thought they were going to power over me and then the shit hit the fan because that ain't gonna happen now that was so difficult for me that was such a that learning experience was so difficult that I don't even think I don't even think I fully had it understood until just a second ago when I just framed it. Because what ended up happening was I ended up leaving higher ed. I, I, I'm not doing that. And, I, you know, there's a race factor because I'm, I'm, I'm black and my learners were white. My, there's a class factor. My learners were affluent coming from a middle class. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. We. Ugh. Oh, my God. We talk about what class and race will do for students of color, low-income students of color. In educators, we talk about that and what they need. But we don't talk about learners when they are white and affluent. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing, right? I think that's probably what's something that's happening with my neighbor upstairs, right? You're used to being in the world in un, un, uninterrupted, if you will. And if you are interrupted, you wage a battle. And uh, I will do that too. And so when these learners um, started battling with me, some of that could have been preempted, avoided, had I never lowered the power. I never, had I, had I not interrupted the power structure of the professor. They were going to fight with me anyway. I should have left that. That's a more traditional relationship. Let them fight with their professor. But I called myself on the front end like, no, we don't need to fight. Let's just share this power thing. And no. So anyway, I left the academy. I was only working as an adjunct professor anyway, part-time. Well, I was working full-time, but I was in a part-time status. That's another part of status, I realized. And you think about a lot of black women, and if you are an, if you are an, an academic listening to me, pay attention. A lot of black women in the academy are as adjuncts. Very few of them are full professors. Why is that? That's a separate conversation. So I left the academy like that ain't for me because I'm not doing that power. I'm not doing that. And so, I uh, um, and I realized that kind of like what I'm learning about my contracts. So I've been, uh, I'm working with two clients yet. I, 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 
I did something wrong. So those of you who are business people, you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna make your your hair stand up on your arm, uh, on your neck, because I did something wrong. So I just want to let you know. But I'm learning because these people came to me with urgency, right? They wanted, they they needed to get me in. I wanted to satisfy that urgency. And one person, we haven't started working because we've been in this, we're constantly trying to get this contract together. So we've been negotiating this contract for three weeks. We thought we had it last weekend, but this week when the, the their board looked at it, they, one of their board members had a problem with the contract. So we had to go back and fix it. So now we're negotiating this second round kind of like a, I would say round I would round three round two or three okay so we haven't started working I haven't started working with this client yet the st- other client I did and I gave she had me they needed me so bad she didn't even think about a work agreement I was like no I'm getting ready to have a work agreement I didn't think that they needed something as technical that I gave them but I was like we might as well just do this right right so then when I gave her that, she was like, do you mind me running this past my board? No, I don't have a problem with you running it past your board at all. But we are going to might be mindful that I have started working. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if their board has a problem with it. And then we'll, we'll take it from there. The lesson, lesson is that when I start meeting with another client in the future, I'm going to put that up front. I know there's an urgency, but I will not begin... The contract, the service will not begin until two weeks after the contract is signed. And prime, the reason why I need two weeks is if, because I can't stop working with another client or bring, let's, let's just say I'm subbing, right? I'm subbing in the meantime, right? You already know that's part of my plan. I'm going to sub until I have a client or until I have something else up. Well, I need to bring proper closure to whatever else I'm doing to work with you people need time right so I think two weeks is a fair window I probably won't take two weeks but I think two weeks is a window so that you know we need to so that you prioritize this contract negotiation piece because I think some of this some of the time isn't because of me I think some of it is because they're in their own world and they're not prioritizing the contract and so I need to create a space where they prioritize it a little more. So that's what I'll, that's why I'm going to move client three. Whenever client three comes my way, I'll practice that. We won't begin work until we have a signed contract. And I need two weeks to begin after the contract is signed. We'll see. And then I'll have something else I'll learn from there. But anyway, that was a, that was a rabbit hole. But I think I brought that up is because I've been in this contract negotiation. And that's what we're doing, right? That's what we're doing. We're like, we are trying to work together. And we're saying in order to work together, this is the negotiation. This is what you need. This is what I need. That's what we're doing. And we're trying to be fair. I love it. Somebody was like, well, you should get a lawyer. Well, I'm yes, I do that all the time. But every time I get a lawyer, an attorney will be like, who helped you do this? And that's because that's I have a mind for it, all right? I love it. This is what I wish we could do in the social world a little more. But the social world is not about negotiating. The social world is about saying, 
We've already negotiated the social contract, the social agreement to be power over or power under. And depending on your your status, that determines where you're going to be in the power over, power under arrangement. And that's not for me. So I have some books that I could open up and read to you about just how we do like social construction. Uh, I have, uh, 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 let me see, let me see, hold on. Okay, my one book, uh, Human Learning by uh, Janelle Umrod, um, it, it reads, Theories of learning that focus on how people work together, perhaps at a single setting or perhaps over the co- course of many years, reflect a perspective known as social constructivism. That means that they're, put, they're making meaning together about the way they want to work. That meaning is made together. Hold on. Then in another textbook, The Essentials of Sociology by James Hensland, talks about um, social construction of reality. Our society or the group social... Our society or the social group to which we belong holds particular views of life. From our groups, we learn ways of looking at life, whether that be our view of Hitler or uh, Osama bin Laden, um germs or anything else in life in short through our interaction with others we construct reality that is we learn ways of interpreting our experiences in life right so we we that's been constructed together to do that okay then there's what's called gatekeeping or determining i'm in the same book or determining which people will enter into which occupations um, another form of gatekeeping is social placement. Those are talking about jobs and education, but that's kind of what we do in our society. Like we, we do gatekeeping. We determine who should have access to what we place people in our society, um, based on that. It's another form of gatekeeping, right? So these are the things that are happening in our social world all the time and we're not talking about it we just accept it as though it is and I, 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 I'm, I'm very close here and I think all of the learning that I've done over the past really my life but let's just say 30 years has been for me to come to terms with this gap between what was given to me by the divine about how we should interact with each other and what the social the social construction is that I'm currently living in in this time period of of civilization right and so either I'm ahead of my time or behind my time but I'm not with this current time <laughs> you know what i mean like um i i and I think it is, it has helped and it's hurt me to go to school as a sociologist, to be a, better able to understand what is this rupture between what I believe is possible in terms of the social world and what actually is. Why is that? And I think that's me as a social scientist and I think me as an educator is like, hey, but we can be better. We can develop to be social beings that really share the social world, to share the power. 
because um, I think a lot of reasons why we hoard power is because we feel powerless. But once we learn to tap into the power within us, we don't ha- we don't have to hoard it because we already have it. Oh, anyway. So those are the things that I've I really believe that that kind of thinking really sets me at a disadvantage when I'm trying to develop a relationship, intimate people relationship with people who are part of the social map and they're not contesting it. So I became, um, I got introduced to the socialization process in undergrad. I was like, oh, we're not just the way we are because we are. We we are this way because we've been socialized to be that. Once I learned that, then I started learning about social institutions. Then when I got in and I became a business leader and I started realizing I was contending with some invisible dimensions, some invisible dimensions of the social world that are very real all the same although they're 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 invisible and so um um then i got into what's called critical pedagogy to help me to better understand those invisible dimensions about because it really it's really about power those invisible dimensions are about power and then i that was critical pedagogy and then i got introduced to this concept called the the killjoy where there are these people who are walking around saying i'm i'm going to interrupt your feel good because i'm not i'm not in alignment with the social scripts that you've assigned you are living according to some social scripts that you think are real they are accepting we're not going to contest them but i'm going to contest these social scripts i'm going to contest the power distributions and those are called killjoys and so all of these things tell me that there are people in the world who are like me like this social script that we're living out doesn't have to be that way they're just the way that it's it's just been constructed right now this is how it's been constructed. And most of us are blindly going along with that construction. And those of us who are trying to be better, self-actualized, de- develop, your development is going to be limited if you don't understand social construction theory. It's, just, it's going to be limited. Because as much as you are powerful as an individual, you are still within a social context. And we are operating according to some social agreements, whether they're good or bad. Unless you're going to struggle like me and then kind of just be in the world like a recluse, (laughs) you know, and that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be a recluse, but I'm also not trying to, um, I'm also not trying to be, be an accomplice or a co-conspirator. And so... Um, I don't have a nice little bow to put at the end of this reflection, but that's been, that's my dilemma. Like, what am I going to do in the social world? I'm going to continue to try to build it. I'm going to continue to try to find other people like me who understand the invisible, who understands that this power is located in that invisible, who's comfortable with contesting it, questioning it, renegotiating it. Um, that's what I'm going to continue to do. How long is it going to take? Oh, it doesn't take forever. But that's part of the work. So it's not just me building a business. It's not just me building a life. It's about be- part of that is I got to build my whole social world again. That's what I'm masterminding. And you guys, I want to come. So that's that. Okay. <laughs> um, but before I close, let me say this. I have done some more learning about the RICO, the RICO uh, theory that I'm working on. Um, this co-conspiracy. Like how do you, how do you hold, 
someone accountable when they directly are not causing the harm. When they're causing, when they're, they're acting in a more covert way, but they're acting all the same. And then you, so that's part of it. And then how you enlist these, a group of people to do a thing, to do different parts of the thing. And each part that they do is pretty small and pretty benign on the surface. But when you bring it all together, you understand that there's something bigger afoot. I've been studying that because I talked about it last week. I fumbled with it, but I've, I'm ready to kind of come back and, and really unpack that as it relates to familial trauma and how when you have power holders in a family engaging in doing these micro like micro harm they're micro harm it's micro how it manifests as something to be more macro so i'm ready to do that discussion right but for this reflection um kind of like for me really trying to contend with the fact that i'm a social being with a very unique perspective on the social world or what i believe is possible and trying to really build a social community that honors that you guys if this reflection has had any value please give it a heart if this conversation about the social and social construction um and power and how it relates to how we interact with each other as social beings if this relates to a conversation you've had in the world please take this link and share it with those participants if my moving about has caused some randomness in you i'd love to hear it you can find me on my website at your WordPress.com, Twitter, you're an IDOM1, Facebook or YouTube, you're an IDOM. Let me give you your assignment. What just came to me, I have no time to break this down, but what came to me is you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Apparently how sausage is made is all these ingredients that would be gross if you knew it. So you don't want to know how the sausage is made. That's how it is about the social world. If you understood how you were primed to function as a social being, you wouldn't like it. So is ignorance bliss is the question. Is ignorance bliss for you? You don't need to know about the social world because it would be problematic if you discovered it. Just think about that. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.